Well, thanks, uh, thanks again for joining us and, and being with us today. Um, I realized last week that I shouldn't take anything for granted. Um, if, you, if you're new or if you've forgotten, I'm DL. I'm the um, lead pastor here at Harvest. Last week, um, one of our young people, our sixth grader who's been here for about three months with us, um, came up and she said, who's, who's Pastor DL? And I was like, well, that would be me. Uh, so I just wanted, for, for the sake of those who've forgotten, or if you don't know, if you're new, um, that's me. Um, I want to thank you for, for being here. Uh, if you could remember Pastor Albert, um, usually he's up here leading praise, but he's up in Virginia leading praise at a retreat for a bunch of college students, about three, 400 college students with uh, Brother John Lee. They both went up there um, to lead in praise. And uh, one of our college College age student, college students, um, a gal named Hannah is up there as well. So if you could keep them in prayer, um, they're actually finishing up the retreat. They are probably done now, but pray for them that they would come back safely tomorrow, and that in the lives of these college students, that there would be a lot of fruit born as a result of uh, their weekend um, this weekend. We have uh, been going through this series on what it means to to live a life of generosity. We started about four weeks ago and, and just mentioned how we don't need to have a lot in order to be generous. And that's huge because in this day and age, in our culture, the past two, three, four years, we've been living not in a time of plenty, but in a time of, of need and a time for some of poverty where once there was, it was a season of plenty. And, and I think it's, this, it's, a, it's a liberating kind of message. We don't need a lot in order to be generous, that we don't need a lot in order to fulfill the call of God in our lives to be uh, gracious as we have received grace. We saw this a few weeks ago. I'm talking about ways that we can practically be gracious and practically be generous. He talked about being generous with our tithes and our, our money and our finances. We talked last week about being generous with our time. Next week, we're going to be we talk about being gracious and generous with our thanks, the thanks that we offer as we have a, our joint worship service, all church worship next week. Um, today, I'm going to talk about one more practical way that we can be generous, and that's with the talents that we have. So if you follow this, we've got, I've been talking about being generous in our tithe giving, our time giving, our talent giving, and then next week in our thanksgiving, hence the uh, the title of the series, Blank Giving. People are like, what in the world does that mean? Um, after the fourth week, now you know what it means. But uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be generous with our talents as God has given them to us. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read verses uh, 14 through 30. And uh, as we read this, um, be reminded that this is God's word. Jesus uh, is speaking this parable to his followers and to those in his hearing. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. This is God's word. Because again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, um, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, do you? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is God's word. Is that my beard? Doing that? Right. Here we go. Is that better? Right. What's going on? Uh, I, I want to dive into this and talk about just three things that we see here in particular. The first thing is this. We have generously been in, that God has generously entrusted each of us with talents. God has generously entrusted each of us with talents. He, he's described here, Jesus describes himself as a master, a very wealthy master at that. And he's about to go away on a trip and he wants to make sure that all of his property is well cared for. So he brings these servants to him, trustworthy people. Literally, the word means servants that belong to the master. Therefore, everything that the servants have, these bond servants, everything that the servants have belong also to the master. So this wealthy master entrusts everything that he has to these faithful people, these people that are trustworthy, the people that he can, he can trust with his property. He liquidates all of his assets and to some, according to their ability, he gives them different amounts. He says, hey, to you, here, take five talents here. To you, take two. And to you, take one talent. And each of these guys gets these talents. And at the time, talent was a, uh, was a unit of, of money, depending on on uh, whether it was silver or gold, it was worth a whole lot of money. Anywhere from one year, one talent was one year to 20 years worth of, of wages. So you can see here that this wealthy master is incredibly generous with what he's entrusting to his servants. That the talents that he's giving to each of his people is not some cheap thing that, oh, just throw it away and it's just a penny. These are worth tons of money here incredibly valuable. And so the master entrusts these to his servants and says, here, do with this, take care of my property, and I'm going to go away for a long time. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to settle accounts. And so he goes, the master goes away, and this is Jesus going away. And the point here, some have five, some have two, some have one. But the point that he's making is that every person, every person has been entrusted with talents. And that God in his grace and in his generosity has given each one of us some. Now, what talent has God given to you? See, in those days, we're talking the talent is, is money. And he's saying, take this and use it to build my kingdom, the kingdom of, of me, this great king, this master. The same way God entrusts talents to us, it's not in the form of money per se, but it's in the form of our, our talents and our resources, our abilities and the opportunities that we have. And he says, take what I've given to you, what I've graciously and generously given to you and do something with it. Bring about a return so that my kingdom and my name would be made great. And so the question is, what talents has God given to you and what are you doing with the resources, the abilities, the opportunities that God has given to you? That's the question. 
You see, there are many, many, many TV shows out there that highlight the fact that we've all been given talents, right? You could probably name five of them off the top of your head. America's Got Talent, America's Best Dance Crew, So You Think You Can Dance, Britain's Got Talent, The Sing-Off, The X Factor. There's all these shows that talk about the fact that we all have talents, even children's shows. I, I saw on Facebook yesterday that uh, Jason and Yoon Young Lee's child, Emmeline, was singing this song, What's Your Talent? What's your skill? Because even at a young age, Yo Gabba Gabba is trying to teach all of us that we've got talents and we've got skills and we have to identify what they are. There's a, there's a, there's a little piece on Yo Gabba Gabba every show that says um, cool tricks, cool tricks. And these kids come out and they do these cool tricks because there's something that they can do that other people don't have. It's a talent. And some of them, like this one girl was like, uh, I can, my, cool, my name is Megan or whatever her name is, and I can play the recorder with my nose. And so she'll stick a recorder in her nose. I'm like, I don't know how cool that is. I don't think, you know, hopefully you don't let anyone else borrow your recorder. But she's like blowing and playing a song through her recorder. It's crazy. And, and another boy who's like, oh, my name is Colton or whatever his name is, and I can, I can hang a, a spoon off of my nose. And that's his cool trick. That's the great talent that he's been given. But Baylor University does a study and said that they're the average person, okay, say we're average, the average person has at least one thing that we can do better than 10,000 other people. The question is, what is your talent? Because God has generously entrusted each of us, right, each of us with talents. Question is, what is that talent that you've got? And what are you doing with what you have? Right? For some, it's playing the piano. For others, it's, it's uh, playing guitar. For others, it's playing your recorder through your nose. But whatever that thing is, he's saying, use this, right? Use this for the sake of my name and to make my name great amongst those whom you live. And we've all been entrusted with these great talents and generously at that. And so God's given these to each of us. What is that thing in your life? And what are you doing with God, what God has entrusted to you? I, 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 you know, every year when we go on missions, we do these um, applications because there's some people who want to go on missions that, quite frankly, we don't know very much about. And so well, there's a section that says, um, what skills, talents, abilities do you have? And every now and then we'll get ones that say none, and they'll turn that in. And I, I think I understand that the person who's filling it out is doing one of two things. One, they're either filling out last moment and they don't have time to make the deadline, so they just turn it in. Or they're just trying to be humble because they think if I write something down like dancing and then we read it and we're like, well, that person can't really dance and they're going to feel bad about themselves, right? And so they're just trying to be humble or trying to be modest or just trying to protect themselves. But I think in, in, in essence what's happening, when we say we have no skills, no abilities, no talents, that's not about being humble, but I think that's an insult to the one who made us and has generously entrusted each of us with talents. Don't you think? It's like if I were to make a meal for you, it's probably not going to happen. But if I were to make you a five-course meal, right, uh, a salad, an appetizer, what else goes in a five-course meal? A main dish, a something else, maybe a soup, and then a dessert. Make you a meal, and it's however good it is, and then I give it to you, right? And you're eating this meal, and somebody's like, oh, my gosh, hey, DL made you a meal. And, and, and they're like, what was good about it? And you say, well, nothing really. There's nothing good about it. What's happening there? I don't think that person is... Ultimately, ultimately what's happening is that the person who made that 
and who put these things into this meal is being offended, is being insulted. That there's nothing good in what he has made. And when we say, you know what, there's no good talent in me. There's no skill in me. I've got nothing to offer. That's not about being humble. That's about insulting the one who made you and has deposited these great things into your life. It's not about being false, falsely humble. It's not about, oh my gosh, I can't do this because I'm modest mouse here. No. That's about being offensive to the one who is generously entrusted to each and every single one of us something that you can do probably better than not just 10,000, but to many, 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 many people. And he said, I've given that to you so that you can bring about a return for the sake of the kingdom of God by blessing other people with the talents that you've been given. When we go to Ecuador this time around, um, I, I, I love our trips to Ecuador because basically they say, whatever you have, whatever talent you have, we can use any of that stuff. So whether it's, it's teaching or doing construction or lifting cinder blocks or painting, whatever it might be, we can use all of that stuff. This time we go to December, we've got two people who are going to be doing some very unique kind of ministries. One, we have uh, our, our sound gal back there, Jinju. Her dad is a Taekwondo master. And so he's going to go and he's going to do these demonstrations. And, and Kenny Cook is going to be his sparring dummy. And, 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 and Brother Chase is going to do all of these things. And all these people are going to come. And using the talent that God has given to him, He's going to build the kingdom of God because in Ecuador, a lot of these people won't come to church unless there's a reason for me to come that's outside of the spiritual. And and we have a gal, Hannah Gooney, who's really great at doing beautifying people, making them look good. And so they had a gal's night the other night, a few couple weeks back, and and she did all of these manicures, and these girls are like so happy, and and everyone comes, not everyone, but those who are there come to church with their brightly colored nails, and everybody's showing off, and and they're happy because she's taking her talents, and she's using it. And last weekend, they had a a middle school girl sleepover at uh, one of the the local, uh, one of our, our family members' homes, and and Goonie painted their fingernails, and they post them on Facebook, and they're like, look at me, look at my nails, it's so pretty, and and, and, and a few weeks back, she painted two of, of our little daughter Manny's nails and, and two of these fingers. And first thing, Manny wakes up in the morning. She holds up her finger. She's like, Goonie, Goonie. And she's like, eh. <laughs> because she's taking the talents that God's given to her. And she's using it to bless other people. And when she goes down to Ecuador, her and, 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 and Yungyung and Sandra and other people are going to cut women's hair. And they're going to give them the time of day that, that other people down there don't give them. And they're going to take time to help them to become beautiful and to look at themselves and to think worthily of themselves. And then these people are going to be invited back to church as they sit there and as they read their four spiritual laws, as they read the gospel tracts, and they come back to church that night. And they're going to hear about one who thinks that they're worthy, not because of how they look, but because of the price that he paid to win their soul. And I wonder what would happen if, if she wrote on her application, I don't have any talents to give. I don't have anything to give. But she's taking what God has deposited into her life, generously entrusted to her and saying, this is what I've got. It may not be a lot, but I've got something and I'm going to use it for the kingdom of God. And Jesus name is going to go forth and and his name is going to be made uh, bigger and brighter and stronger in Ecuador as well as in places here. Because she's taken what God has uniquely given to her and using it for the sake of the kingdom. See, God has generously entrusted each and every single one of us with at least one thing that you can use, that you can do to bless other people. Maybe it's taking your, you, I, I know one of our guys takes his ukulele, I think, and he plays it in the hospitals that he volunteers at. And, and, and another guy, Albert Kang, used to do that as well with his guitar, going through the hospital and, and singing songs and giving hope to people. And what has God entrusted to you generously? 
And why did he give that to you? So that you might bring about a return on the investment for the kingdom of God. That's the first thing that God has generously entrusted each of us with talents. The second thing that we see here is that God richly rewards us for what we do with what we have. You get that? That's huge. God richly rewards us for what we do with what we have. Oftentimes, here's what I think keeps us from giving our talents to God and to other people. is because we spend our time thinking about what we don't have or what other people have that I wish I had. Well, sure, great. I would go to Ecuador if I could cut hair. Oh, great. I would go to Ecuador if I could do Taekwondo. But me, I can't do anything. And we think about the things that we don't have, and that keeps us from using what we do have. You get my drift? I think sometimes we think so much about the things that I wish I could offer or the things that I hope I could offer, these things that one day I would offer. But God says, right now, no matter how young or old you are, right? James comes up here and he says, I'm really old, but he's got talents that lead us into the presence of God. We've got young people who are filled with talents, filled with, 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 with hope and with dreams and with things that God has, has dropped into them that they could use to expand the kingdom of God. And when we, comparison always leads to the sense of dissatisfaction, that when I compared to this person or I compared to that person, don't have as much, it kind of paralyzes us from moving forward. But the beauty of this is God understands it. He says to some five, we're given to some two, to some one. Different people are given different things, and God understands that. He knows that. He doesn't expect a two-talent person to come back with five talents. The only thing he asks is that you are faithful with what you do have, and that's what we are richly rewarded based upon what we do with what we do have. Look at what he, okay, so the dude with five comes back in verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Dude with two talents comes back and look at what it says in verse 23. It is the exact same thing. And he doesn't give any less joy or any less of reward to the person with two Well, I mean, he gives two talents to him. He gave five to the guy who had five because he was rewarding the people with what they did. But there's no less joy in the master's heart. There's no less joy given to each of the servants because they one didn't have as much as the other person. Saying what you do have is what I'm requiring you to be faithful with. The joy is the same. The words are the same because he's not saying uh, the, the net profit is not what's important. It's that you are faithful with what I did give to you. Some of us may not have the capacity to do some of the things that other people are doing, but God's not concerned about that. He he doesn't say, oh, oh, my bad, I made a mistake with you. I should have given you a little bit more. He doesn't. He says, you are uniquely you, perfectly you, the way that I've made you, and I'm not expecting you to be somebody else. We say this a lot, but when you stand before God on Judgment Day, he's not going to say, James, why didn't you become more like your brother Bill? He's not going to say, James, why didn't you lift 1,500 cinder blocks in one sitting? Why didn't you do that? He's not going to say that. He's not going to say, oh, my goodness, I wish you were a little bit more like somebody else. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave to you? Because if you're not going to be you, then nobody else is. And if you're not going to be you, then you rob the world of the gift of your life. But when we take the things that we have, we take the things that we have and we, entru- we, give, it, we give it to God, 
and he uses it. He doesn't reward, he doesn't just reward, he richly rewards us. There's a generosity involved in this. Look at the first thing he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Aren't these words of commendation that we all long to hear? First time our daughter, uh, our daughter Manny prayed, and she, we would always, either Olivia or I would pray. First time we said, Manny, would you like to pray? And, and she prayed. And first time after she prayed, she asked us, did Manny do a good job praying? Because everyone, no matter how young or old we are, wants to hear those words of commendation, that you did a great job, that you did well with what I gave you. We don't expect, I don't expect Manny to pray like her mom or like her dad or like any of y'all. Because she doesn't know anything. She just says, Jesus, thank you for mom, dad, Manny, Grandma, grandpa, my friends, my dog, my blanket. Amen. That's all she says. I don't expect her to pray for our missionaries or to pray for the nations to come to know. That's silly. But with what she's been given, she's seeking to be faithful with that. And when she does, she hears these words of commendation. Well done. And we all long to hear. Those words, and Jesus says, when you're faithful with what I have entrusted to you, you will be rewarded. But he doesn't stop there. He says, look, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And then he says, come and share in your master's happiness. There's this principle of of, of spirituality that when we take the little that we have and we give it to God, it's like we always talk about five loaves and two fishes. You take the little you have and you give it to God, then he entrusts us with more. And he expands our opportunity. This is always the way it is when we're generous. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when we're generous with our finances, God has a way of blessing us so that we can continue to be generous. When you're generous in your time with God, he has a way of blessing us so that we can be generous with other people with our time. And when we're generous with our talents, our resources, our abilities, our opportunities, he opens up more and more opportunities and talents and opportunities for resources for us to be used by him. He never fails to reward us for the things that he does. Uh, I always talk about John Ortberg, but he talks about this this, uh, reporter named William Binsler, I think is his name. Uh, He was a a journalist reporter, and he began his time working with this little city newspaper. And he began in in that little tiny newspaper, and he was writing the obituaries. You know what an obituary is? It's a section of the newspaper where it talks about who died and, and how long they lived and who they left behind. Not a very glamorous job. And so he thought to himself, you know what? I could be a prize-winning, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. I should be doing these investigative news articles. I should be on the front lines doing all of this research and and writing these these journal articles that are going to win thousands of awards all over the world. He said, I'm stuck reading the obituaries. No one gets an award for the best obituary writer. So he began to get a little bit upset about that. So he went to his editor and he said, this stinks. I should be doing so much more than this. Why am I stuck here? When do I get the... Glamorous pieces. And the editor was this gruff, scruff guy. I think all editors are like this, right? Spider-Man and Superman, all the editors in newspapers really mean, and they smoke cigars all the time. This guy was kind of like that. And he said, look, you may think this is nothing, but just wait. If you stick through with this, if you stick through with this, because here's the thing. Nobody will read anything that you ever write for the rest of your life as closely as they will read your obituary. Because you get a date wrong, you get a name wrong, then people are going to be so upset. But you get it right, you honor somebody's grandmother, you honor somebody's mother, you make their life sing, then they're going to remember you. For the, they're going to take your words and they're going to laminate it and they're going to hang it on their wall. 
And he said, from that time on, he realized, I start where I am. I will go the extra mile. I will make the extra phone call. I'll ask the extra question. I'll get it right. And as he did, boy, this guy took off, became a a prize-winning journalist, teaches journalism at, at Yale University, because he took the things that he had. He started where he was. Didn't worry about all these other things, but he started where he was, and he was faithful with that, and he was richly rewarded for those things. Do you believe that where you're faithful, when you're faithful with what God has given to you, where you are, that God will use you, and he will bless you, and he will open up opportunities for you that are beyond what you could have dreamed? Do you believe that God is, is more concerned, that he, is more, he sees more in you than just a tissue that he uses, and then when he's done with you, he throws you away? I think sometimes we have that attitude. Yeah, yeah, when my time is done, God's going to forget about me, and then I'm just going to kind of sit back and do whatever I want. But do you believe that he loves you and he cares about you and that he rewards what you do and that you will never fail to reap a reward on your investment whenever you give to God your talents and your time and all the abilities that he's given to you? Do you believe that God is going to reward you for that? I um, am really appreciative of people in our congregation who do the things behind the scenes that nobody sees. Like when they go through after service and they straighten out the chairs or they, they take out the trash. Or we have people, Mimi and, and Timmy Cook, who do our bulletin every week. And nobody ever remembers or never, no one ever sees them doing that, but they do it. We, we had a, a, several people throughout the years who've done things like that. And I want to read to you a, an email I got from, from one of these folks in years past who before uh, Mimi and, and Timmy, they were doing our bulletin. And when time came for this gal to graduate, I don't remember the exact details of how it happened, but uh, I, I think they were bu- doing the bulletin and they were crying as they were doing it. And they later wrote this email. This is what it said. So the crying started when I was doing the bulletin and then I couldn't stop after that, even into, I guess, even into worship service. I was thinking about what a blessing it was to be able to do the bulletin. Because even though sometimes it just felt like work, And it wasn't that big of a deal. In the end, it allowed me to be in close contact with the pastors, a lot of accountability, whether intentional or not, and taught me lots about commitment and other grown-up things. It helped me to feel responsible for my church. And I was overwhelmed that even though sometimes I did a shoddy job and wasn't the best servant out there, both my attitude and actual work, God's heart is to bless me and to take what little I bring and really use it. I didn't do much in the grand scheme of things. And what little I did, I didn't always do to the best of my ability. But in the end, I was the one who was blessed. He is really, really good to his people. And I'm glad that he is my God. Anyway, I'm excited forever else we'll be doing the bulletin. Thank you for letting me do it all these years and giving me the opportunity to serve and experience God in this way. I for sure wouldn't have trusted myself if I were you, but you did it, and I was really blessed, and I'm a better person because of it. So what to her was just a simple, and what to many of us is just a simple thing. Changing a few things and making the announcements and putting in the coffee machine, folding and putting these things and, and doing it with a prayerful attitude. As she said, every time I would do it, I would pray for each person who would receive this thing. For her, it became an act of worship. And she was so richly rewarded in doing the little that God had offered her to do. 
And I'm positive that God is opening up amazing opportunities for this person to do even greater things for the sake of the gospel. See, God never fails to reward us when we offer the talents that he has generously entrusted to us, when we offer it to him for the sake of him in his service, he always richly rewards us. That's the second thing. And the last thing that we see, the last thing that we see here is what we do with our talents. What we do with our talents is a reflection of our relationship to God. What we do is a reflection of our relationship These first two servants, they come and the master entrusts his talents to them and they, they take the talents and they bring it back and, and he says, well done, because that's what they were supposed to do. This last servant who, who only got one talent, he takes this and he begins to think, he begins to, to think about whatever it is he's thinking about. He buries it in the ground and he does whatever he wants. Does whatever he wants. Goes and he watches TV, hangs out with his buddies, just chills plays poker, plays pool, whatever it is that he does, just kind of chilling. And, and master comes back, and he's like, oh, my gosh, he, he's back. And, and so he digs up out of the ground. This, people did this. Um, you know, so when the parable of the treasure in a field, this guy saw, or the pearl of great price, he found it, and then he, he, he buried it, he hid it, and then he sold everything he had and came back, and he, he bought it. He takes this thing out, and, and, and he's like, here, master, uh, here's your talent. The one year's worth of wages or 20 years' worth of wages, whatever it is, here it is, I've I, I given it back to you. And the master's like, just one, why? What, what, what happened here? And the guy's kind of like, maybe he's a little bit sheepish, and he's like, you know, um, I knew that you're, you're, you're tough. You're a pretty stringent master. You know, you're not very compassionate. You're a hard man. You're tough. You're strict. And, and I was scared. I was scared. And so I thought, well, you know, um, if I can just give you back what, I, what you gave to me, then I think that would be good. And the master's like, are you kidding me? You said you were my servant. You said you cared about the things that I care about. If you're really afraid, okay, you say you're afraid. If you're really afraid, then at least go and put it on bank, put it on, uh, put it, give it in the bank, and then you'll earn interest on it. If you really were scared of me, but what you're doing is you're just making excuses for why you shouldn't use the talent that I've given to you. And the problem is he had no idea of the character and the love and the grace of his master because had he known how kind and loving and gracious he was, he would have broken down walls to be able to serve him. If he really cared about the master's business, then he said, whatever I can do to help make your name great, I'll do. Even though I don't have a lot, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Because I know you're kind. I know you're loving. I know you're gracious. And for him to say, yeah, you've given me this stuff, but I'm going to do nothing with it, shows that he cares nothing about the master or his business. The question is, are you taking your talent and burying it in the ground and then making these excuses for why you, sh for why you should not serve God? Because if you do then it could very possibly be that you have no idea the God that you claim to be worshiping. Because if we knew the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, the one who is the master of masters, yet he, for some reason in this kingdom, this is the only kingdom where the master treats his servants like masters, treats them better than the master of any other kingdom. Because he came and the master was treated worse than the lowliest of slaves.
And if we knew this kind of love and this kind of grace and this kind of mercy, then how could we not offer up our gifts and talents so that his name could be made greater in the world? Do you understand what's going on? He's saying, you claim to be a servant of mine, but get out of here. You never knew me. What Jesus is saying is if you take your talent and you don't do anything with it, it's not because you're afraid of it. It's because you have no idea the master that you claim to serve. And if you don't, then there, it could very well be that you're not really in relationship with the master that you claim to serve. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that if you do all these things, you're saved. That's not what I'm saying. Nor am I saying that if you don't use your gifts and you're not saved, not necessarily. It could be, it could very well be, but I'm saying if we're not using our talents for whatever reason, then it could be that we have a wrong view of our God and there's something not right in our relationship, our fellowship with God. Because something has gone amiss and we've begun to think something of God that is not true of him. If this servant with one talent had taken a step of faith and said, okay, I know something of the, I'll just obey him just because that's right then he would have began to realize how wrong he was about his master. He would have realized that he really is gracious. He really is kind. He really is loving. He richly rewards me, not based on what I don't have, but on what I do with what I do have. And this is the God who has not only entrusted talents to each of us, but he's the one who will richly reward us as well. We believe in the same God that Jesus is talking about. Saying, you have been entrusted with so much because I love you so much. I love you so much that I put people around you who are talented so that they might bless you and help you to see more of me. And I love the world so much that I entrusted these things to you so that you might take what I've given to you so that you might bless other people so that the name of Jesus could become greater. And yeah, I know that at times in the journey, we want to hear well done, well done, well done more frequently than we do hear it. But trust me, a day is coming that when you do live in faithfulness with what he's given to you, you will hear those words of commendation and you will enter into and share in the happiness of your master. Such a day is coming for those who believe and who show that faith by being faithful with what they've been entrusted. And that day is coming, people of God. Until that day comes that we would faithfully give and faithfully serve and faithfully love to make his name greater. A fellow named John Todd, I just want to end with, with his story. This is, he was a guy who lived in the 1800s in a town in Vermont. When he was young, his family moved to a, a town called Killington, a village called Killington in Vermont. By the time he was six years old, both of his parents died. And him and a bunch of his brothers and sisters had to be dis, uh, dispersed amongst different relatives there. And there's an aunt, a really loving aunt, who brought John Todd into her family, that 10 miles from Killington, and adopted him as her own and raised him about 15 years. She raised him, and then he went off to seminary to study to be a pastor. Many years later, um, this aunt grew sick and was very close to death. And so she began asking these kinds of questions that we all ask 
will ask when we get near that time. And as she began thinking upon death, she wrote a letter to her, her nephew and she sent it to him. And he got this letter. And as he read it, uh, he wrote a letter in reply. And this is the letter that he wrote. It's now 35 years since I, a little boy of six, was left quite alone in the world. You sent me word that you would give me a home and be a kind mother to me. I've never forgotten the day when I made the long journey of 10 miles to your house in North Killingsworth. I can still recall my disappointment when instead of coming for me yourself, you sent your colored man Caesar to fetch me. I well remember my tears and my anxiety as perched high on your horse and clinging tight to Caesar, I rode off to my new home. Night fell before we finished the journey, and as it grew dark, I became lonely and afraid. You think she'll go to bed before I get there, I asked Caesar anxiously. Oh, no, he said reassuringly. She'll sure stay up for you. When we get out of these here woods, you'll see her candle shining in the window. Presently, we did ride out in the clearing, and there, sure enough, was your candle. I remember you were waiting at the door, that you put your arms close about me, and that you lifted me, a tired, bewildered, scared little boy, down from the horse. You had a big fire burning on the hearth, a hot supper waiting for me on the stove. After supper, you took me to my new room. You heard me say my prayers, and then you sat beside me until I fell asleep. You probably realize why I'm recalling all this to your memory. Someday soon, God will send for you to take you to a new home. Don't fear the summons, the strange journey, or the dark messenger of death. God can be trusted to do as much for you as you were kind enough to do for me so many years ago. At the end of the road, you'll find love and a welcome waiting, and you will be safe in God's care. I shall watch you and pray for you until you're out of sight, and then wait for the day when I too shall make the journey and find you waiting at the end of the road to greet me. And for all who know the master, they will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. This grace, this story, this truth, this destiny, this future is what awaits all the people of God. God made a promise to us that this will be our inheritance when we get there. That you who have been faithful with a few things will be entrusted with so much more. Not only does he, does he give all these things, but he says, take all of these things. I, they're, they're yours now. They're all yours. These talents, 10, 11, take them all. They're yours. The promise of God remains that there is such a welcome waiting for those who hope in the Lord. And by the grace of God, that we would give and that we would give and that we would gladly, generously give our talents until we get there, till we too hear along with those saints around gathered, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Guys, the way that we take what we do what we do with our talents, the things that God has entrusted us, is a very good indication of the nature of your relationship with God. It's not always perfect, but it's a good indication. Are you giving gladly your talents? 
for the joy of the Lord. I think about people who are. Think about people who do menial tasks for the sake of the kingdom. And they say, simply because I love Jesus, I'm willing to do this. Simply because Jesus loves me, I will mop the floors that people walk over even after I've cleaned them. For the sake of my love for Jesus, I will carry heavy equipment from one place to another. For the sake of Jesus, I will go into my prayer closet and pray, though nobody would recognize the work that I do praying for my church and for my leaders and my friends. For the sake of my love for Jesus, I will do things that other people don't care about. But because I love Jesus, my talents, I give it all to you. Maybe others of us, we're taking our talent and we're burying it. Could it be that we have a misunderstanding of the character of the God whom we claim to serve and know so well? What is our use of our talents reflecting about our relationship with our Father? Some of us, we need to confess and ask the Lord, forgive me, for I made excuses for why I shouldn't serve. I made excuses because I didn't really see you for who you are. Help me to take my talents and to use them because I know that if I were to, that you would use me to bless and that I would be blessed in return. And for others of us, maybe we need to pray, God, change my heart. I'm giving and I'm giving, but I need to do it out of a heart of love. Change me. Change me, Lord. Let's pray together, can we? Let's pray for a few moments and ask the Lord that he would take our talents and use them to expand his kingdom. And in so doing, as a byproduct, that he would bless us so that we might be even more faithful to him as time goes on. Let's let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you because we have freely received all things from you. These talents are not our own, but like us, they belong to you. There are things that every single one of us can do so much better than thousands of other people in this world. And if we were to sit on and bury our talent, then it would rob the world of a beautiful picture of the greatness of God. Father, would you remove our laziness, our excuses, our misguided understanding of who you are, and would you melt our hearts by grace to see what a beautiful master you are, that at the cross you took the punishment of a wicked servant, and then you gave us in return the blessing of the most faithful one so that we might have life so that we might know you, so that we might gladly, joyfully, by grace, give all that we are to you. Help us to live in faithfulness to the one who will always be faithful to us. 
Thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name.